Good afternoon. Welcome to the weekly edition of The Wrap. I'm Laura Leslie, WRL Capital Bureau Chief. And I'm Brian Anderson, WRL State Government Reporter. And it it's it's been a it's been a week. It's been kind of an expensive week for the state, but we got a big shiny new auto plant finally uh, to show for it. You know, North Carolina has been chasing an auto plant for decades, like since the Hunt governor uh, term, and and we finally got one, Vinfast, which I had never heard of. Uh, as a Vietnamese firm, um, they're coming to Chatham County, four billion dollar investment, about seventy five hundred dollar jobs. In return, they're going to get about a $1.25 billion total incentive package. Now, granted, a lot of that is for the site, um, you know, for things that they have to do to the site to make it suitable for them. But still, that's that's the highest one I've ever seen. Yeah, that's a huge number. And I, I remember Elon Musk, when he was looking to abandon California, one of the states I was watching was, is North Carolina going to be this new home? But North Carolina certainly been really chasing this EV market. I remember seeing Cooper over in Charlotte trying to tout charging stations. And I think he parked his van across the street and then took an electric vehicle a block away to get to the event. So there's this this big EV push lately. Well, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense though. I mean, you think about it. I mean, just to, I don't know if a lot of people may not know this week, but there's a new report out from the Environmental Defense Fund that says that North Carolina is not gonna make its goals. Cause you know, Governor Cooper had set some pretty, um, pretty aggressive, ambitious goals for um, emissions reductions. Um, and by, he wanted to go net zero by 2050, um, which you know is kind of crazy if you think about it. But um, he certainly had some pretty good goals by 2030 even. And so according to this report, we're just not going to get there in time. Well, there was a meeting today of um, a working group that's gonna try to address that. Um, and they were talking about the fact that, um, I didn't know this, but transportation is the number one source of greenhouse gases in North Carolina. That's because yeah. it used to be the utilities, but the utilities under the clean energy plan they passed last year and some other ones before that, they've cut their emissions. Um, now, that, that's not saying they're not emitting anything, but, but right now it's cars and trucks. That's what is our number one greenhouse gas uh, emitter. So uh, they're working on this clean transportation plan. They're gonna try to get 1 million 1.25 million new electric vehicles or zero emission vehicles on the roads in North Carolina by 2030. And I mean, we have this, this challenge because we also don't have a, a, a really robust statewide transit system, busing system in, in the region. Like if you wanna commute to Durham to Raleigh it's, and, and not use a car, you have to really go out of your way to do that. You do. And, you know, and transit is part of that plan, too. And they're going to be talking about, um, you know, alternative modes of transport, um, trying to cut down vehicle miles traveled, things like that. But but the sort of number of one point two five million EVs is kind of amazing. And, you know, they, I mean, we're right now, for comparison's sake, we're at like thirty nine thousand right in North Carolina. So lots, room for growth is what you're saying. Laura. Lots of room, room to grow. for growth. Lots of room to growth. Uh, but, you know, they're talking about how to get people to do that. And one of the things that this is what this is what made me think of this um, is the charger, the infrastructure, because we just don't have the there's big areas of the state where there are no public chargers. So um, we got a hundred we got one hundred and nine million dollars from the infrastructure plan to pay for um, some electric charges. But that's obviously not going to do the whole trick. But, you know, very ambitious. They've, they've got a year to kind of get this plan nailed down and they kicked off today and. You know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I you know, I, I admire have lofty goals, but that's 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 a big one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a big message from from Democrats last year with infrastructure and 
now there's with the Russia-Ukraine conflict, there's lots of increased talk about energy independence and climate change is starting to, to get a little bit more, more steam lately, but it's just high gas prices, all these immediate threats is what seems to dominate the conversation of the day when we have this larger, big picture existential crisis that's not too far away and is already here in many ways. Well, you know, Cooper's really kind of like hitched his, um, hitched his wagon to the economic impacts of green energy and clean energy in North Carolina, because he's, you know, he says that the, the acquisitions we've made lately, the VinFast, Boom Supersonic, the Toyota Battery Factory, that we're really positioning ourselves at the forefront of this industry, just like we were um, positioning ourselves at the forefront of solar a few years, uh, several years ago, uh, but it's paid off. You know, we're one of the top solar states in the country. So, um, you know, so he's, he's thinking this is going to be the next big industry for North Carolina. And it certainly looks like it, if, if VinFast is any indication. Um, I wanted to go to talk about Cawthorn a little bit. You spent a lot of time this week uh, writing about Madison Cawthorn, didn't you? Yeah, I've, I've got an infrastructure segue where apparently Cawthorn had taken a, a, an American rescue uh, plan check to the town of Silva and handed it to, to them. Uh, but he had actually opposed the larger bill, even though he said he was supportive of the, the specific appropriation for this small town in Western North Carolina to fix its roads locally. Uh, so I did have an infrastructure tie to Cawthorn that I just had to sneak in you there. You had to get in. in some no, that's way. interesting. You know, it's the prize <laughs> patrol, man. Nobody's immune from the prize patrol. Yeah, but Cawthorn really dominating the headlines in North Carolina really for the last month and change. Uh, we've talked about his driving record, charge of driving with a revoked license, uh, traffic violations for speeding, and his Ukraine comment where he called uh, the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, a thug, which we were the first to report that video out. So he's had a lot of negative headlines recently, but what seems to have really tilt the scale was a podcast appearance in which he made some lewd allegations about colleagues that seemed very unsubstantiated. And he, there's no eloquent way for a 26 year old to, to say it, but he, he was accusing members of, of being, inviting him to an orgy. And he had also claimed he had seen someone, it sounded like a member of Congress uh, having cocaine I don't know whether you say consuming cocaine, having cocaine, taking cocaine. Taking cocaine, <laughs> I guess you'd say. And these are, these are Republican members of Congress because Cawthorn has said many times he doesn't hang out with Democrats. Yeah, so, so and, I mean, yeah. process of elimination, who's he talking about here? <laughs> right, and uh, that didn't go over real well with the House Republican Caucus. No, I mean, he had a meeting with House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy from California, the most powerful House Republican in Congress. and. Of what McCarthy had had said, according to these news reports and him talking to reporters, was that Cawthorn was not truthful in his comments and was grossly exaggerating these claims, and they were unsubstantiated, false, and they were damaging the reputations of colleagues who had to hear from friends. Hey, are you who Cawthorn was alluding to? <laughs> uh, You're doing so, coke at the at the Capitol or what? Yeah. yeah. So it's <clears> just. <throat> It's just a mess of a situation. And we NC political reporters, I think I was a bit surprised because we've been, you can write, Cawthorn says X crazy thing any number of days. 
And it never seems to move the needle on what Republicans are, are willing to criticize him for. And I will note when he made his Zelensky thug comments, we saw Mark Walker distance himself. Uh, we saw uh, Bo Hines, both of whom are very supportive of Cawthorn and have welcomed his support in their respective races, Walker for US Senate, Bo Hines for the 13th Congressional District. And they created some distance, but I hadn't heard a strong Republican say, hey, we need to take Cawthorn out. And that's where the party seems to be right now, at least establishment North Carolina longtime office holders. <clears throat> Absolutely. We, we know that this week that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, House Speaker Tim Moore and Senate Leader Phil Berger were at uh, a fundraiser for Chuck Edwards. He's a, a current sitting state senator who's running for Cawthorn's district um, against him in the primary. And both of them offered full-throated endorsements, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of Edwards. Full-throated uh, endorsements. Yeah, exactly. Of Edwards over Cawthorn. Yeah, and Edwards, I should note, he is uh, someone who is in the state Senate, is really uh, not a very vocal member in the legislature, I'd say. He has a few policy issues, but he's certainly not a personality of Cawthorn or a loud, booming, boisterous voice necessarily. And that sets up the contrast between uh, a, a very big personality in Cawthorn versus someone who is seen as a little bit more cordial, tempered uh, with, with Edwards. And I think the interesting thing is how quickly people have rallied around Edwards. We saw Tom Tillis even say he's endorsing Edwards in this westernmost <clears throat> district. So it's, it's certainly rallying support. And I saw Edwards had gotten some traction from, from these people. But another question is whether it's enough traction to get him to 30% needed to at least win the nomination outright, or if he can force Cawthorn not to hit that threshold and force a runoff in July. Exactly, because there's a lot of people in that field, so that could get messy. Um, in the meantime, Cawthorn news, he's going to be speaking at a rally, we learned today. Um, he's be speaking at <clears throat> the, the rally for President Trump is coming, right? That's next weekend in Selma? Yeah, Trump, Saturday, April 9th in Selma, he'll be speaking around 7 p.m., or at least he's scheduled to be speaking around 7 p.m., yeah. so I'm sure we'll see him on stage at 8.15 or something. Uh, but Cawthorn is scheduled to speak. And it's interesting because Trump, in March, on March 31st, 2021, the Asheville Citizen Times ran a story, and it was about Cawthorn uh, welcoming Trump support and them sort of appearing in this joint fundraising-like video. And Cawthorn, just recently, he had shared this article with us and, and or his team had shared this article with us and cited it as this is proof that Trump has endorsed us because they released an ad that said Trump has given his total and complete endorsement for Cawthorn. Obviously, since 2021, we've had new congressional districts, lots of controversies, and Trump has a history of backing off of endorsements in the past but it appears Trump has given his support to Cawthorn. So I think it's gonna be sort of a, you know, the, the whole sort of Trump ticket is gonna be at that Selma event. We're expecting Bo Hines to speak, Madison Cawthorn to speak, and Ted Budd to speak, of course. And I would imagine pretty much every other politician that's trying to sort of grab those coattails is gonna be edging or, you know, angling to get on the stage for five minutes as well. And we should note, <clears throat> Trump doesn't have a tremendous track record of success in competitive North Carolina primaries. If you'll remember, he actually opposed Cawthorn back in 2020 
when he supported Linda Bennett, who was a realtor and uh, Linda Bennett was a close friend of Deborah right. Meadows, who was Mark Meadows's uh, wife and Meadows was the chief of staff and Meadows created that vacancy by leaving the westernmost district to become Trump's chief of staff. That's right. That's right. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Linda Bennett was the one they backed. I had forgotten and, about that. Yeah. Cawthorn, well, Cawthorn had forced a, a runoff and he won that primary by 32 points. And you'll also remember that Trump had endorsed a um, congressional candidate with Renee Elmers back against George Holding. Yeah, she was George Holding. Yeah. Yeah. And she got walloped in that election. And now Elmers is facing Bo Hines. So Trump had previously backed uh, some people who are, he, it, it's, it's a little bit interesting to see the evolution. I had forgotten Trump. about all that. So yeah, that is really interesting. Absolutely. I had forgotten all about that. Um, you also want to talk a little bit about FEC filings because we're starting to see those come in, right? It's the end of the quarter. Right. So FEC filings are candidacy filings or, or candidate campaign finance filings submitted every three months with the Federal Election Commission. And so far, we've got uh, Nita Alam, who's a Democrat running in the second, fourth congressional district. Right. Sorry. Uh, the numbers have changed, but it, yes, it's the uh-huh. new fourth congressional district. And Nita Alam raised $370,000. She reported today. We're recording on a Friday. So this was the day after filing had, had ended. That's a substantial uh, sum for, for, especially for a very divided primary, because you've also got Clay Aikens in that primary and you've got um, Valerie Fushi, you know, who was sort of the establishment candidate there. So um, that was a pretty impressive number, I thought. I, I'm looking forward, though, to seeing what um, Valerie Fushi puts up. Yeah, Clay Aiken, big celebrity who had released a video on social media and got a lot of hype after that, but attention has sort of died down for him since. And Fushi has the endorsement of Attorney General Josh Stein in that race. So it'll be interesting to see what the fundraising numbers look like. And we should know in a couple of weeks where they're at. Right. Um, and of course, the one thing we haven't talked about yet that we have to talk about, and that's basketball. <laughs> right. I mean, Duke, UNC, who, who are you written for? As a former JV high school basketball player who is deathly afraid of contact and, and fouls and not being aggressive and gravitating toward tennis instead, uh, I don't really have a huge stake in the fight. I, I, I think both teams are great. I will say uh, that I had North Carolina winning uh, the round of 32, and I correctly oh. predicted that in my bracket. Uh, I had no team getting to the elite eight, let alone the final four. If, if you if you look at it, I'd have to give Coach K a little bit of an edge, but it's going to be a really fun, fun game. Yeah, you know, I mean, I could see, I mean, it'd be great if Hubert Davis won, right? Because it's his first trip to the final, with us to the final four. Um, and then there's, you know, it'd be great if Coach K won because it's his final trip with Duke to the, you know, to the NCAA playoffs. So I... You know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a Wolfpack fan, so I'm just going to kind of stay out of this one and say I'll be happy either way. I just hope whoever wins ends up winning the whole thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll say on the note of NC State, the women's basketball team was really close to making it to the final four. So close. So there was so close. 
had a couple of calls not not gone against them and they played a really good team in in UConn uh so now I'm going to be cheering for the Stanford women's basketball team to beat UConn and and get some vengeance there for you (laughs) no the NC State women's team has been fantastic this this season and we just haven't we don't pay enough as a state we just don't pay enough attention to them but they've just been out of this world so I was sad to see them go to UConn fall to UConn but I mean it was a good good game so Anyway, go so, Stanford now. Go Stanford. Go Stanford, I guess. All right. Well, we'll be watching the game. We hope you will too. Um, I should mention real quickly that there is a session next week, uh, one of the little skeleton sessions that they set up in the adjournment resolution. But so far, I've asked both sides, and um, the Senate says no, no votes are planned, and the House says there may be some some committees that take place, some oversight committees, but they're not planning any votes either. So, um, I was just curious because you know things come up, you know, one month to the next. Did they have something that they wanted to get through? But it doesn't sound that way. So, sounds like we will not have a whole lot to say about them next week. At least if we do, it'll be a surprise. Yeah, I mean, you got the primary between now and, and May seventeenth. The focus is on that. And if you're the legislature, you don't want to do anything to to mess your own party up. The messaging has already been made. That's right. All right. Well, thanks very much for joining us as always, and we we'll look forward to seeing you next week here on the wrap.